Well, it's Mother's Day, guys. You didn't think I'd be doing Job, did you? I mean, no Job today. Uh, We'll come back to Job next week. But uh, grab your Bibles, if you will, and open to the book of Psalms, and let's talk about um, some stuff. Um, uh, While you're finding Psalm 144, uh, let me remind you, this is, I'm going to do this one more week, today and next Sunday, and then I'm done. Just, uh, just telling you about a trip that it, if God wills, we're going to take to Israel. Uh, if nothing happens over there, if there's no saber rattling, uh, if you're interested in going to the Holy Land, if you've never been to the Holy Land, um, I, alongside John Otley, uh, will be leading a trip to the Holy Land. For first timers and for veterans, we've got some different stuff uh, planned for the veterans. So if you've been there before, Come go and let's look at some other stuff. Now, you follow in your copies as I read um, just a, uh, just four verses out of Psalm 144. I want to start at verse 12, and we'll end at the end of the, um, the psalm. May our sons in their youth be like plants full-grown. Our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, oh, that endures forever. Guys, um, or ladies, I guess, I I hope I don't uh, make you too um, upset with me this morning. Um, just know this, I think that I'm being pastorally sensitive. <laughs> but if I'm not, um, just look at it like this. Just, it's just going to be another topic for you to discuss at lunch uh, after church. But if you'll stay with me, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I, I want to start by saying I am fully aware um, that today is Mother's Day. But we're not going to talk about motherhood. Um, as, as honored as that day is and, and is that institution, we're not going to talk about it. And I want to explain why. Uh, folks, um, this is the day where, of course, we remember mothers. But we we got to also remember that not all women are mothers. You know, I have I've said this in the past. But uh, for a lot of women, uh, Mother's Day is a very hard day uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, For instance, uh, young married couples um, trying to get pregnant and can't. It's a hard day for them. Um, Maybe uh, some of you just recently lost your mother. Or um, maybe as a mother, you're just so disappointed in your children. You know, adult children can be pretty problematic, can they not? 
Um, and then, of course, there's, uh, there's some, not all, but some single women who would, um, who would like to start with a husband. Um, and, and Mother's Day is a hard day for them. And then, um, tragically, there are some who've had an abortion in their past. And uh, Mother's Day is a reminder of that, that very unfortunate decision. Now, for the rest of you women about whom none of that applies, I, I hope you'll forgive me uh, in what you may consider my, um, my neglect of this, this red-letter day known as motherhood uh, or Mother's Day. But what I'm, um, what, what I'm hoping is that um, what I have to say this morning will touch a whole lot more than just mothers but certainly including them. You know, um, guys, all, <laughs> all mothers are women, but not all women are mothers. Now, is that not a keen insight on my part? Um, I mean, you're, you're out there wondering, what the devil does he know about womanhood? Um, all I'm trying to say, guys, is that my comments today are really aimed to a larger group than just mothers. It's, it's aimed more at, at females or at women than it is just, just mothers. So bear with me. My text this morning is really half of a verse. It, it comes out of verse 12 of Psalm 144. That's second half of that verse. And, um, we'll, we'll come to it in just a second, but, I, I, my wife did tell me that when Susan Hunt was here, she um, she alluded to this verse, and uh, I, so I steadfastly refused to listen to those those lectures because I figured uh, what she had to say is probably far better than what I have to say, and and I would be tempted to steal everything that she said because she's far more of an expert about women than I am. But um, we're going to look at just a just a portion of uh, verse twelve. And, and try to draw some application from it, just the, the second half of verse 12. But to look at it, it seems to me that it would be um, helpful if we first take a look at the context in which we find it. So if you'll, um, if you've still got your Bibles open, I want you to take a look at, um, at this section of Psalm 144. And, and let me just point out a few things that are in it. Guys, um, beginning at verse 12 of Psalm 144, this section of the psalm is a prayer. Did, did you notice uh, how many verses start with, may our sons, may our granaries, may our cattle, may there be? You see what the psalmist is doing. He's praying. He's asking God for, for, for blessings. He's making requests. And, and he's making several of them. There's several requests. For instance, look at verse 13. May our granaries be full. That's, that's the first thing he's asking for, is full granaries. And then uh, the, in that same verse, he says, May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. I mean, we want um, abundant sheep. And then in verse 14, he says, May our cattle be heavy with young. He, uh, he's talking about animal reproduction, and this time he's talking about cattle. And then uh, in verse 14, he says, May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Can, um, we want we want safety in our streets. Guys, Judaism has a concept, has a greeting called shalom. You've heard of that. I and mean, if you ever uh, had Jewish friends 
you know, they'll use that. They use it here, but in Jerusalem they really use it. But um, shalom is not is more than a greeting. It's a concept. It has to do with wholeness. Wholeness on the outside, wholeness on the inside. All I'm saying is, what you see this this psalmist asking for is is something like shalom. He's asking that God would bless Israel in every nook and cranny of her experience. And then he says in verse 15, blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Man, if we had stuff like that, we would be some kind of blessed people. And he closes off the psalm by saying, Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Uh, when Yahweh is your God, you are blessed people. That, that's the context now, guys. But you may have noticed that there are two other things that uh, the psalmist asks for in verse 12. One of them has to do with males. The other has to do with females. He says in verse 12, May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. And here's our text. May our daughters be like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. This this inspired writer would consider a nation, a people, to be blessed should the women of that nation be women who were like this. Like what? Well, he says it. Like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. One of the blessings of a, of a nation would be that, that, that that nation includes women who are, who are corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. If our women were like that, says the psalmist, boy, oh boy, oh boy. If our women were like that, then we would be a blessed people. Again, like like what? Well, like corner pillars. Now the question becomes, what does the psalmist have in mind with that image? He's using a, 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 an illustration of something that he's got in his mind. What does he mean when he says, could our, could our women be like corner pillars? What does he have in mind? Well, guys, to explain that, um, it, and, it, and it's fairly easy, I think, and I think you'll agree, but um, you need to think of the story of Samson and Delilah. Remember that story? I mean, if you don't know much about the Bible, uh, they made a movie out of Samson and Delilah. Um, Samson was this 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 Nazarite uh, in Israel who had the long hair. Do you remember? And because of his Nazaritic vow, he was um, he was unusually strong. He was kind of the original um, uh, Hulk, you know. Um, and, and so, through his strength, he, uh, he defeated the Philistines and all that business, but he had one major flaw. His relationship to women. They, that got him in trouble. That got him in trouble several times. The last one was with a woman by the name of Delilah. 
And Delilah was this, this uh, undercover agent for the Philistines. And uh, she was paid to extract secrets of Samson's great strength by enticing him. You know, women have their ways, you know. And, and, um, and he lied to her a couple of times and, and didn't tell her the truth. And then finally he gives in and tells her, it's, my, my, the secret to my strength lies in my hair. That's really a Nazaritic vow, but uh, in the length of my hair. And if you cut my hair, I'll be as weak as any other man. So while he's sleeping, the Philistines come in and they cut his hair. And, and um, um, uh, he's weak and the Philistines come in and they capture him and tie him up and poke, gouge out his eyes. And, and they take him over to their, their temples to laugh at him. Well, time passes and uh, the hair begins to grow again. And... And um, they're having this big religious festival. They're celebrating their god, Dagon. And uh, so they say, well, I got an idea. As part of the program, let's bring out that old, that, that once nemesis of ours. Let's bring out Samson and let's, let's laugh at him. So here comes Samson. His eyes, he's blinded and he's being led by this little boy. And, and uh, this little boy uh, stops Samson in the middle of two pillars. And, uh, you know, the, the Philistines are just having a great time, you know, celebrating how Dagon had uh, delivered them from Samson. And so Samson feels these two pillars on the both sides of him. And he prays and he says, God, give me strength one more time. One more time. God sees fit to do that and he pushes out the pillars and as a result of pushing out these pillars, the whole structure collapses and 3,000 people are killed, including Samson. Now, the point is, the architecture of the day used certain pillars as, as weight-bearing, whereas there were other pillars in the, in the structure. Uh, they, were, they were decorative only. They were really functionally useless. But um, there were certain pillars... And, and by the way, we do the same thing today. That there are certain pillars that are weight-bearing. Um, and, and what the, those did is that they held up the structure. No building was stable. No building was safe without these corner pillars. They were weight-bearing pillars. They provided stability. They provided support for the entire structure. And the psalmist, back to Psalm 144, defines a blessed culture as one that contains women who are like that. I mean, this culture is really blessed. If we had women who functioned like corner pillars, you know, by playing their God-assigned role and providing a, a stability to a home. That is, they, they held the thing up, <clears throat> not just to a home, but, but to a culture. Or to a church. 
and without which that culture, that church, that home implodes. Remove them and the whole thing comes crashing down. Interestingly, and I hope that you'll look at the text, because this to me is just intriguing. Um, in, in this one verse, verse 12, daughters are mentioned, but so are sons. Um, they're also mentioned in the first half of verse 12. And, and look what is said about sons. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. You know, I, I wonder if we of the 21st century, I wonder if we had, if we had written this, would we have not assigned the task of weight-bearing to the men and, um, you know, plant-tending to the women? I don't know whether we would or wouldn't have, but I can tell you this, the psalmist didn't. When the psalmist got ready to say, you know, here's what, what we're looking for, it was the women who were described with this figure of corner pillars. And the men are those that they'd be like plants full grown. You know, ladies, I wonder if you know the important position that you occupy in the social fabric. A position that unfortunately has been largely abandoned. And it's been abandoned because your culture has redefined you. Now guys, I have no research to to support what I'm about to say. In fact, it might border on the downright reckless. But men's morals have always been bad. But when women's went bad, back in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s or whenever it happened. Then the culture collapsed. I remember as a high schooler, and of course I'm dating myself, and, and, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're under the age of 40, you'll just laugh at this. But I remember, I remember when I say dating a girl, I was in the ninth grade, so I wasn't exactly dating her. But I, I can tell you the spot at which this happened. And uh, it was at a bowling alley. You know, everybody met at the bowling alley and we hung out together, you know. And, um, tried to be cool. And I was kind of fond of this one little girl. And I heard her say a curse word. And that was it. I mean, a woman saying a curse word. Wah! That's just not supposed to happen. Now men, <laughs> well, they always talk like that. But not to women. Guys, if, if you understand the, the, the figure, the image that's found here in Psalm 144.12, dare we devalue the role that has been entrusted to our female counterparts. Entrusted to them by God. 
Because if we do, we're fools. And we do so because we, along with our female counterparts, have allowed the culture to redefine us. You know, I've said this a hundred times around here at Grace Van, but it's back to Genesis 2. Genesis 2. Now, guys, uh, you know, you don't have to know anything about the Bible, but Genesis 2 is the second chapter in the Bible. Sin did not arrive until Genesis 3. So we're still in chapter 2 of Genesis. Sin has not, has not arrived to mar the entire creation. But when God looked at his creation, He's the one who said, mm, you know, Adam alone, that just isn't good. I better get a woman in there. You know, were we as men to better appreciate the role that is being described here in this half of a verse... I'm telling you, gentlemen, we wouldn't treat, we would treat women differently. We'd treat them better. You know, guys, um, we laugh about this stuff. I mean, we just, we, we're, we're, you know, having a coffee at uh, Starbucks and we laugh about stories like these that I'm about to tell, but we just, they're, they're almost anecdotal. But we all know they're true. My daddy, um, this is a true story. My, my, my daddy, um, my mother died in 1983. When my mother died, my daddy was 62 years old. And within 60 days of my mother's death, my daddy was telling my sister and me that he wanted to remarry. And he had already picked out the woman that he wanted to remarry, that he wanted to marry in 60 days. It made my sister and me so mad at my daddy. But now I'm 64. I view things a lot differently. And you know what? It's kind of comical between me and Susie. If the Lord takes her, then... (laughs) There's no telling where I'll show up. And she knows that. I mean, we have this agreement that I get to die first. Um, here's another one. Um, you know, it usually happens back in flu season. You know, in January, and uh, some guy says, Yeah, I had the flu. It was awful. It was just terrible. I had the flu. But, it only got worse when my wife got it. Because when mama gets sick... The whole place shuts down. Hmm. You know, I hate to do this because this is the second time in about two months that I've quoted a country and western song. And, um, and you're gonna, you're gonna start drawing conclusions about my musical preference, which are not true, but, um, there, there was a song that I heard, um, and it was by Lone Star. And it was called Mr. Mom. You know, they, they made a movie out of the same title, Mr. Mom. But this is a song, and it's, it's, it's you know, within, within the past year that this song has been being played, Mr. Mom. And here's the story. The story of the song is that the guy loses, the, the man loses his job. I mean, I, I, I could sing it, but, but I, I will spare you. 
I'm just going to tell you that I got the lyrics here. But the man loses his job. And he comes home and his wife says, it's all right, honey. Uh, I'll get a job until you until you find another one. And he says, now that sounds pretty good to me. You know, long naps and watching TV. And so she, sure enough, gets a job and goes off to work. And he's got the kids. And the refrain of the song, it's kind of it's kind of cute. I won't read it all, but he says, "There's bubble gum in the baby's hair, sweet potatoes in my lazy chair, and did you know that pampers melt in a Maytag dryer?" And then he says, "It's only Monday." And that refrain goes on three or four times in the song, and then the song closes out like this. Um, balancing checkbooks, juggling bills, thought there was nothing to it. Baby, now I know how you feel. What I don't know is how you do it. He's not done. Here's the last line of the song. Honey, you're my hero. I wonder how many women that sit in this room this very minute would love for somebody to look at them and say, Honey, you're my hero. I can't pull this off. You know, I, I think, and this is just where, this is a hunch, I'm, I'm only guessing here, but I, 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 I think that every woman in her heart of hearts, she just wants to be valued for playing her role as a corner pillar. She just wants to be valued for the essential role that is assigned to her. You know, I want to add one other piece of support to my argument, and then you can all you can all talk bad about me at lunch. But um, um, there is a word in the English language that um, that men misuse. And women despise. Can you guess the word? Sure you can. It's the word submission. You know, the, the, the Greek word from which submission is taken, our English word submission is, comes from a Greek word. It's the word hupomone. It's a combination of a preposition and a verb. Hupomone. Hupo is a, is, a, is a preposition which means under. And mone is a verb, uh, the, the verb form. It means to, uh, to remain, to live, to stay, to stand. To stand under so as to support. Like the support structure that you find underneath a bridge. 
Now, guys, anybody here trust a bridge without some hoopamone under it? Anybody want to drive on that thing? Anybody want to, you know, just take across the river, the Mississippi River, and with no support structure underneath it? Or tell me this. Anybody here trust a, uh, trust a, a, a structure, we'll just say a palace, without some kind of weight-bearing pillars in it? Anybody here um, who trusts Adam without Eve? God didn't. Anybody here who um, trusts a man without a woman? I'm about to get myself in big trouble. If you're a, an attorney, particularly a labor attorney, I'm about to um, give you a case, I guess. But last week, I, I didn't do it in the first service, I did it in the second service, but I introduced the man who is going to start work here on June 1. His name is Randy Karstens. Um, he's coming from Anna, Illinois. He is a senior pastor there. He's coming to work here on June 1. And his job description is that he's going to be the director of adult discipleship for us here at Gracie Van. And we're thrilled to have him and looking forward to his arrival June the 1st. That said, um, in the process of looking for this man, not for, just looking for this job, there was a, um, just act like I didn't say this. There was a single man who, um, who expressed interest in the job. And I dismissed that idea immediately. Because I'm just convinced that you have to have a married man in this job. Why? Well, because they're just more stable. Hmm. Ladies, without you, things are unstable. Without you, ladies, we're unstable. With you, things work. Without you, things implode. You know, I, I, here's another opinion. But I'm of the opinion 
that there would be far fewer divorces if we all understood that God has assigned roles to both of us. And oh, how vital is the one that he has assigned to you ladies. Some of you are sitting out there and you are eager to label me a sexist or out of touch or uh, an old fogey or uh, uh, a relic from a bygone era. Take your shots. But in reply, I I only want to ask one question of you ladies. Actually two. Before you reject all this, just ask yourself this. When am I the most satisfied? When am I the most fulfilled? I'm betting that the answer to both of those questions has something to do with corner pillars. Folks, God designed us and and life just works better when we function according to design. Not only that, the God who assigned us roles has also found a way to save people as wicked and as rebellious as we are. He saves us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The one who died in my place He paid for my sin, purchased a spot in heaven for me, and then offers it to me as a free gift. Have you received the gift of eternal life? Our Father, I I do pray that you'll use my uh, vain babblings to encourage your people. Um, I pray that you will remind us all that um, because you are the designer, uh, you get to to detail the the roles that are most suitable and most fitting for the design. And um, would would you raise up a group of women who will play the role assigned to them, and indeed it will be a blessed church, a blessed home, a blessed culture if you do. Alongside them, Father, would you raise up a group of men who are not not intimidated by their culture, but will play the role that you've assigned them as men who love their wives as Christ loved the church. Men who, um, who want to be to their wives 
all that you expect us to be. Father, um, also, if you've brought people here who have never yet met the Savior of ours, would you, would you cause, would you allow them to see Jesus Christ in all of his saving beauty? Would you do that, Father? For Jesus' sake, in whose name we pray.